The college football season is coming back, and we got you covered on every game. We're breaking it down on each snap all season long. Catch us every week starting on August 4th. Joe McGuire, Sean Scanlon, Jace Garcia, and yours truly, Obi Muniz, giving you the highlights, predictions, and current rankings. Visit our website at hhwshow.com and subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's all four downs, part of the CMG Sports Podcast Network. Some Wrestling Entertainment Podcast presented by Clovercrest Media is what you AEW fans have been looking for. Noah Cross and Tyler Bard give their take on every week's episode of Dynamite. If you are a massive AEW fan, then it is time to join us every Sunday at noon Eastern Standard Time. Stay crossum. Throwing jabs, always full send. Here we go again. Jared, Joe, and Jay's Clover Crest, top three corner man. Punching in with a punch's chance. We find a way to win. The main event, lock it in. Every Saturday at 10, the overhand is out of hand. When it comes to fist of cuffs, slide a hand on the undercard. You'll never see the punch. Uppercut, got you missing wave. Feet are stepping late. Keep your guard up, feeling faint from a faint. Take a standing eighth, then retaliate. Put up your duke, stick and move. Bob and weave. Don't lose hope against the ropes. There's always an escape. Never stay down. One more round, bells ringing, counter punch with your chin tucked and go down swinging we bringing crosses with no worship hooks with no verses combinations with no locks when you feel the flurry of curtains from scrub scraps to fight stats relax if you want the facts because the best combat podcast is throwing jabs it's saturday 10 a.m you know what that means Jace, Jared, Joe here to talk some fights. It's fight day. Big UFC pay-per-view tonight. Heavyweights brawling it out. But let's go back a little and recap what happened last week. Starting off, UFC fight night. Hall versus Strickland. Strickland dominated from start to finish. Got the win. Unanimous decision. And is already in talks with Luke Rockhold for his next fight. So, Joe, what would you think of the fight? And can Strickland get to the top of the well uh, middleweight division? Yeah, he can because this is a guy who he'll fight anybody anywhere, anytime. Uh, when they asked him the, if he wanted to call anybody out, he didn't care. He Whoever you guys want me to fight next is the guy that I'll fight next. I like that mentality. This guy loves to fight. And, you know, look, Uriah Hall, I knew this was going to happen. A a fight he should have won. Really never got going. Got going if he did way too late. Proved himself to be the gatekeeper we always sort of suspected he is. And, again, he's, I mean, literally on fight night turned 37 years old. So bad news for him, but, you know, for Strickland, I think sky's the limit here. You know, the the middleweight division, I think it could use somebody like this guy uh, who's not flashy, he's not a big talker, but he just goes in there and talks with his hands and his feet. And, yeah, uh, I'll watch this guy fight anybody. And, and, you know, I I had a feeling going in he was going to win the fight. That's why I picked him. Um, 
Again, I love Uriah Hall. He, he does tend to fight down, but when you're 37, you, you can't lose fights like this. I mean, I think he pretty much sealed his fate at this point. But, you know, if you're Sean Strickland, uh, that's a great win. Is a guy that had come off beating two champions back-to-back, former champions. Uh, that's a great resume builder for Sean. And I think, uh, you know, I think he verbally agreed for uh, UFC 268 with uh, Luke Rockhold. So, um, another great resume builder for this guy. Uh, you know, I would say by mid to uh, 2022, uh, Scott Strickland, if he keeps on winning and fighting like he does, probably has a shot at a uh, at a belt. I, I honestly, I, I just, I think he can get there. I just don't want him to be like a Vittori 2.0, like just couple wins hey. and then just get thrown at Adesanya. I, I. Need to see him against someone. I need to see him against Acosta, a Whitaker, even the Rockhold agreement. Rockhold's been out, so I I don't know. I I need to see him prove himself. I, I mean, I will remind you, Vittori did beat uh, top five contenders on his way to the actual title fight without. That's Asanya. who Strickland should fight. Vittori. I like that. Yeah, I'd love that. That'd be great. It's exactly who Strickland should fight because Vittori's proven that guys that can't handle the pressure pop and the guys that can can basically outwork, outpoint, outstrike. Uh, it, if if Strickland's as good as he looks, it may look a little bit like the Uriah Hall fight where Vittori just has trouble get going, getting going or uh, the uh, Vittori's last fight without Asanya. Yeah. Yeah, you know, good point. I mean, you know, Strickland is such a pressure guy. He brings it. And he, I mean, again, for a guy who he likes to get hit and he likes to hit people. And that's a bad combination in an opponent. Oh, yeah. Gagey. Yeah. But I use the Marvin Vittori reference because I, I, this division is struggling so much right now. Like, because it's all just rematches and. This guy's out here. What, what? So, like, I can see Strickland, if he gets a Rockhold fight, turning that into a, a title fight, which I don't necessarily think he is all that ready for. But, I mean, I, I don't know. Because also – But let me ask you this. Wait, hey, hold on. No? Do, you think, do you think if Marvin Vittori would have fought the other two top five contenders and then Adesanya that that would have made a difference, honestly? No, but I, I, I think he does just need to prove himself a little bit more. That's what I'm saying. Like this, it's like Uriah Hall's like a cowboy. We don't know how good this win actually is unless is he old, like he's fallen off. Is this just him being old him or is this him declining that is this more Uriah Hall declining or Strickland rising? That is that, exactly that's my problem. why Strickland can't fight Rockhold next. Because we won't learn that same thing we didn't learn this time. We need to know where he stands. Like you said, it's got to be Acosta, Whitaker, one of those. Uh, Vittori. It's got to be one of those guys. You can't fight Rockhold next because we still don't know. You win that fight, we still don't know. It's a lose-lose well, situation for him, if you ask me. It's, I mean, the resume and the money. But uh, as far as moving up the ranks, we still won't know after you win that fight. 
Uh, Tony just commented, uh, Hall's never won more than four fights in her own his career, and the last four-fight win streak was over Bevan Lewis, Antonio Carlos Jr., Anderson Silva, uh, who obviously was completely shop-worn by that point, and Chris Weidman, who he didn't even punch once in that entire fight. So, l- listen, Hall comes in on a four-fight win streak, and you're like, yeah, but, you know, his his – before that streak, it was he. He got knocked out by Paulo Costa. He had lost uh, uh, to Masasi and the Brunson and the Whitaker back to back to back. So you know the the thing with the, with Uriah Hall is Uriah Hall has to have room to move. He has to he it, when you bring it to him, it's trouble. And put him on his back foot. As soon as you do, he right. He, the idea he can't get going, I think, is somewhat of a fallacy. I think it's not that he couldn't get going; it's that these opponents don't allow him to get going. I, I think it's it's not him; it's them because he can do it when you're not bringing it, mm. and it's very very fancy, and it's uh, we love it. Uh, I mean, some of the highlight real moves in Hall's career, right? I mean. That's like but, saying those 1986 Patriots in the Super Bowl, man, they just couldn't get it going. That, no, there they you they go. were playing the Precisely. Bears. <laughs> yeah. And the greatest defense of all time. Yeah, so I, I totally agree with you. That's not – it's not necessarily fair to those opponents because those are guys that are stifling to get going against you. Leave Hall enough room, he will do something electrifying and knock you out, and if you smother him, you got five rounds of it. It's what – uh. It's what Vittori couldn't do to Adesanya that uh, that the light heavyweight could. Yeah, no? yeah, yeah, yeah. When he moved up, yeah, he got kind 100%. of handled. And Hall, anybody who can handle him like that. You want to see Hall fight Vittori? No, because it'll be 50 to 45. I'll pick the numbers if that fight happens. <laughs> you, want, you want a prop bet on 50-45 if that fight ever gets on. Dude, not for nothing. Did you see? I think one of them was a 50-44 in this fight. Am I right? Did I see that yes. right? I yeah, yeah. Wow. 45s and a 44, yep. That was – um. Uh, was anybody else anybody else a little felt like that was a little unexpected i mean no i didn't i didn't i didn't mind it because there were rounds that i got to the end of and it was just like you didn't do anything you didn't do anything yeah like i said like i said last time where do we credit this nine points from how did you get nine i know a lot of sports and i know a lot of ways they score it and i'm watching this round and at the end of it if i don't know boxing i go how did that guy Earn those nine points. <laughs> Show me the highlights of this nine-point earning period of time because I didn't see it. He did nothing. So I have no problem with a 10-8 round when a guy just stands there. You you do heavy bag work. You you know, where did the eight points come from? For that matter, jeez. Well, to Jared, I mean, you would agree not every 10-9 round is the same, right? I mean, there, there's certainly rounds. I I I mean. I, I, my reaction to it was surprised because I don't like. I feel like unless you're getting taken down or there's a knockdown, you don't usually see uh, a ten eight round. And so I saw that and I was like, "Oh, mm. yeah," you know. Because listen, if I'm giving you ten nines, that's I mean that's a fifty forty five. Was it really that close? You know, I like the ten eights. Uh, you could have gone five ten eights in that fight, and I'd have been like, "Yeah." I, I almost. 
I almost prefer that they that they do score it a little bit more like that, where it's not a mandatory 10-9, because it shouldn't be. Mm. Yeah, you know? yeah, well, because you lose fights like that. I've there's so many times I've gotten to the end of there's some of these in the uh in the Olympics where you have the because it's three rounds. So you have razor close round, three judges to two, razor close round, three judges to do, but it's the same three judges. So now the other guy can't possibly win. He mauls the dude in third round. 29-28. For the guy that lost the fight, they're having a fight. It was razor close, and then with about two and a half minutes left, one of them started getting their butt kicked. And because it's two rounds to one, you see it happen in the UFC sometimes. Yeah, it's and it's the scoring. We could do something different there. Well, sure, that. I like those 10-8s. This is one of the only times I felt like the 10-8 was awarded not on um effectiveness but on lack of action from the other guy like he just did nothing i saw the 10-8 round and it was more uriah hall earning eight instead of nine than strickland you know really dominating the round you just can't get in there and do nothing you can't do nothing well sure you know look there's a difference between i mean if you and i are 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 fighting a five minute round and i dominate the first three minutes and you finish the last two minutes right that's a 10-9 right Though, and and who knows who who they decide to give that to, right? Very subjective, 10-9. But what if I beat you pillar to post for the whole five minutes? How, how is that? You know what I mean? It's like that's still They're a 10-9. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Right. Those, that, those that, and and I, that's what I'm saying. I bought my my feeling always was how could those be the same thing? Where I could look at a round and be like, mm, I'm gonna go 10-8 Jace on this one. It was, it was, I mean, 10-9 Jace, it was close, as opposed to he dominated you. That should definitely be a 10-8. Knocked you down a couple times. Hey, it's a 10 6. Yeah. Yeah. They don't I even like get that. that extra point for the knockdown in, in the Olympics. Yeah. You can get Ridiculous. knocked down two or three times and still get Ridiculous. a 10 9. Dude, every Khabib round is a 10 5 for Khabib. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be real. Like, well, dude, right again, the idea like you scored nine points in the round against, against Khabib, show me. Yeah. Show me. You might even not even throw nine punches in the round. How are you getting nine points for that? Yeah, I, I scoring just in general for I mean not even really yeah scoring in general for the UFC it is weird because I mean boxing it is if you get that knockdown that's an automatic ten eight and the thing it's a up to the judges a lot more in the UFC I mean even with takedowns like a lot of these judges are coming from boxing. They don't necessarily know how to score a takedown. If they, if it's a takedown and the guy pops right back up, some judges might say that was nothing. Some other people just see the stat one takedown. So I, guilty. I mean, not even just a ten eight. Yeah, I mean, not even just a ten eight. Yeah, honestly, though, you, and, and Chase, lot. great great point because you see it more and more where late in a round you see guys going in for takedowns. Like I'm going to win the round. It's like you. Got beat up for four minutes and 30 seconds. You, you took him down once and he got back up. Congratulations. That's uh, not anything. I have to admit, I'm kind of on that list. I've you Fair know thrown hundreds of thousands of punches. I may have been taken down one or two dozen times in my whole life or had to sprawl and block a takedown or was taking somebody else down. Literally two dozen events like that in my entire life. And I see the takedown. And it doesn't register for me the same way as a punch does, where I feel like I know what that, those two guys just experienced, guys or girls, you know? Um, I have some kind of point of reference. 
Whereas I feel like those takedowns, yeah, if you're boxing judges and you see that takedown, sometimes you're going, oh, he just grabbed him and put him on the ground. That's got to be worth something. And other times, you know, you're looking at it like, I don't really know what that is the value. What is the value of that if I've never felt it myself? I don't know the value of it. This is a perfect example of that kind of scoring where, yes. I mean, in the first fight, Stipe, there, there were like minute, like four or five minute stretches in that fight where all Nganu did was lay on his back and be dominated. And to be awarded nine points to lay on your back for four and a half minutes is insane. Insane. Again, the idea that, that a, a Whitaker Qatar round was going to be scored 10 9 when you know you want to give both of those guys 13 points in some of those rounds for the for the beating they were inflicting on each other to, to see this and to be like nine points to do what? You didn't do anything. Every one of those rounds could have been 10 8 or lower, and I would have been I would have been very pleased okay. with that. Yeah. But again, you know, you know, here's the thing. We, we talk a lot about, I think, another one of Marvin Vittori's shortcomings. When, when Khabib gets you and he wrestles you to the ground, you're in big trouble. You're going to sustain either a ton of damage. He's going to tire you out to the point where you can't do anything, or he's just going to end up choking you out or submitting you somehow. Vittori gets you on the ground, and he just smothers you for a while. And... That's not the same takedown. That's not the same yeah. ground game for me. And I to score those the same, this isn't figure skating. This shouldn't be like, you know, where I'm artistically judging it. No, there needs to be a, a more standardized point system so yeah. that we know we know what's a point and what isn't. And and I don't think it would be that hard for them to do. No, but, I like what the what the uh there's one another one of these leagues, not Bellator, uh XFC or one of one of these other MMA MMA uh, organizations is doing like uh, percentage strikes. So so there's like a mile per hour gun, like you have in baseball, to tell you how fast it was. And then you have like uh, impact, so so that everything's kind of being registered as a number, and then it's out of a hundred. Um. How much, how many points, how much damage they inflicted so that you're actually getting some kind of, okay, that was moving 17 miles an hour and landed on this part of the body. And we can kind of surmise that it did this much damage. And then they add up all the strikes and stuff at the end and uh, come up with a number. And it's been pretty accurate when I'm picking the guy that won the round at the end and I look up and see 76 to 58 and I'm like, that's kind of what it looks like to me. I, I haven't had a lot of times where that where that system has given me somebody I didn't think won the round. Yeah, I mean, just scoring, it, adapting, scoring from boxing to MMA, like, it's just hard with the point system. I mean, the takedowns, that stuff. I remember an interview with Tyron Woodley after, I think it was his first fight with Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. He spent, like like two minutes of a round with Thompson in the guillotine, right? Or something like that. He had him in a submission for a lot of the round. And after the fight, he, he was talking with one of the judges and one of the judges said, well, yeah, you wasted your time with that. It's a submission and you're wasting your time trying <clears throat> to do that, trying to put him out, trying to put him 
to sleep. Like that, that's ridiculous. Dude, that would be like saying to Nganu or to Derek Lewis, uh, you know, I know you knocked that guy out, but I couldn't give any points because you just spent the whole fight waiting to throw it. Yeah. Wasting your time getting ready to yeah. throw that overhand knockout right. Give me a break. Yeah, Foreman and more. Listen, a- anything that they can do to get these WBC judges in boxing, especially to not uh, be subjectively scoring, would be great because they're obviously one of the worst. We saw it two weeks ago, uh, you know, in the UFC where those judges were looking at control time against the cage is clearly the most important thing to them. <laughs> That was very important to them. Punches, strikes, kicks, whatever. Nothing mattered. But if you had the person against the cage and no one was doing anything, it, it was like uh it was like a video game where the scores just you're just holding them and the scores that's what it was. That whole that whole night. It's people getting fought, better. People who fought and dominated two weeks ago uh on UFC fight night uh all walked away with L's because they they got pushed against the cage and held there for a few minutes every round. It was ridiculous. That that can't happen anymore. You know, Miranda Mavericks, you know, Miranda Maverick just like took three giant steps back in her in her 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 career that was clearly heading towards a title fight. Macy Barber, who's been a disaster, the future, any give me a break. Did not deserve to win that fight, dude. And now her trajectory straight back up. I, I mean, if I'm Miranda Maverick, dude, I would be screaming my head off to anybody and everybody about what nonsense that is, and the idea that you really you do you do need an actual scoring system here. Yeah, I I think a lot more people need to be vocal about this because I mean, whenever it gets brought up, you have guys like Dana White and that stuff. Just don't bring it to the judges. I Don't mean, let it, go it, shouldn't, it shouldn't have. I mean, yes, that that is a big thing. Finishing a fight, that's good for like catapulting yourself, getting notoriety and that stuff. But like, it, it shouldn't have to. You shouldn't have to worry about going the distance. Like having a good fight shouldn't have to be a problem. Yeah, you shouldn't have to worry about what. It's just ridiculous. But I mean. Speaking of, not by the well, way, they're bringing in I, half points. By the way, I I just looked this up. I don't want before we move on. I want to throw this out there at you. Fifty percent of fights go the distance, according to uh, ABC News. Fifty percent of UFC fights go the distance. So for Dana to say something as absurd as "Don't leave it to the judges" when every other fight you're putting out there does is a stupid thing to say. And literally 50% of the decisions that are that are come to in this sport seemingly come with no rhyme or reason. We, we don't know what the system is. We can all look at the same round and see very different things. I, that's not a good way to score anything ever. It's the only, and again, the it, only... It, 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 it not only leads to interpretation, but it leads to obviously corruption. And and I think when you're talking about fighting and the history of fighting, you have to consider how much that weighs on this sport and the idea you always should be above reproach and you're not here. It's and gonna... 50% of the time, it's like, ah, I don't know who won. Yeah, like that guy. Nah, that yeah, doesn't do it break. for me. And, and, and for the later. fighters, the fighters can't be happy with that. They can't be happy with the way this is playing out right now. 
Well, at what percentage? Joe, you do a lot of the other sports. What percentage of baseball games, football games, basketball games, tennis matches end in controversy? A very, very small. Boxing's like 10. Boxing and MMA, 10, 20% of your matches end in controversy. You need to do better. We have to know that we need to do better than that. That's the worst part for me is, yeah, like Jay said, don't leave it to the judges. You sound like an idiot. Right. You're like like, uh, demonizing these guys. You're putting, you know, acting like they came up short. Because they didn't stop their opponent. These are professional athletes. They're doing what they can to stop the guy. And when they won the fight, you need your dudes at the end to tell them they won. Don't put it back on the fighters. Sometimes it's chess, not checkers. I mean, you got to I'm just saying, I can't imagine being one of those people that was sitting ringside for Sanhagen Dillashaw with Dillashaw bleeding out of his face, looking completely disfigured and being like, hey, Corey, you didn't win this one. Yeah. It's a fight. Yeah, I looked at it and I just thought, nah, he kind of won a little bit more than you did. What? Based on what? Show me, show me the numbers that were you calculated these ten nines and you came to your decision. Uh, you, you owe me that, I think, as a fighter. I've been training for four, five, six months for this night. And as a for fan. you to be like, for you to be like, oh yeah, I watched this whole fight and I think, uh, yeah, I think he won. Based yeah. on what? Nah, that's like the way he looked out there tonight. Yeah, just pick, take Uriah Hall over Strickland and say, don't leave it to the judges. Oh, yeah. that guy. Hey, don't but leave I it mean, to the judges. Sometimes the judges aren't the only controversy. As shown in the other fight this past weekend, as AJ McKee submitted Patricio Pitbull, and even though. Uh, even though McKee got the win, Pitbull, there's still controversy. Pitbull thinks he wasn't out, says he wasn't out. But uh, with, with all that being said, I, I don't get that. You were knocked down. You got kicked in the head. You went to the floor. Then you got put in a guillotine. I don't get how uh, – it, it's just wild. But this brings up the point. AJ McKee's a beast. Won the featherweight title off of that. Brings us to who you got. Can AJ McKee take a claim to be the best featherweight in MMA right now? Joe? Yes. No, he doesn't. Um, I'll tell you why. Let me tell you why. Uh, AJ McKee's opponents, here, here's their records. The last few guys he's fought 23 and 9, 31 and 11, 20 and 11, 15 and 5. And they're guys you've never even heard of. Um, not for nothing, but uh, Ferrer's two signature fights uh, were the TKO loss to Benson Henderson and a fluke knockout of Michael Chandler. So, no, McKee hasn't beaten anybody uh, on, on, on the roster with the resume of anybody in the UFC. You got Alexander Volkanovsky, Brian Ortega, Max Holloway, Kelvin Qatar, Dude, Korean Zombie, Dan Ige, Edson Barboza, any one of those guys goes to Bellator. Give me a break. They'd be dominating it. It, it, AJ's going to have to come to the big boy league uh, because the best featherweight in the world is uh, Volkanovsky by a mile. I don't even think it's close. Look at the look at the way he's beaten the crap out of Max Holloway already twice, a future Hall of Famer. And Holloway's only ever lost to, by the way, Volkanovsky, Poirier twice, uh, and Connor. So give me a break. Okay, uh, Bellator is the XFL. 
Think about the XFL. We, how excited were we about some of these guys? Oh, they're going to sign with NFL teams. Is any guy who started in the XFL even starting anywhere in the NFL? P.J. Walker. Is one won. guy is one guy the from Panthers the XFL a game. starter. When Bridgewater got hurt, P.J. Walker <laughs> came in, got, got the Panthers a win. But is he a starter now? Not one guy from the XFL is a starter in the NFL. Not a single solitary one. Okay? Yeah. A.J. McKee, come to the UFC. Come to the UFC. I agree I, I with this, that. I but... give him a top five guy right off the bat just to see where he's at. And then maybe one more, and then he's, he's fighting for the title. That's to see where, where I he's at. It. So that's fair, Joe. So that's fair. You can't put him in that group, but you cannot put him in that group. I can't necessarily say point to anything that excludes him from that group right now. Until he goes there, I agree with everything you said, except you could mention him in that conversation. You could. I don't have evidence. No, I don't have evidence to believe he is. And a lot of boxers, that happens. You see him on uh, Showtime, uh, the, the up-and-coming future champions, you know, like they they all the time are fighting the best guy they ever fought. So you don't know at that level, you can't say, well, this guy fought that guy and this guy fought that guy. You got to just say this is how he looks up to this point. And the trajectory for A.J. McKee is through the roof. He keeps going the direction he's going. This is one of the best guys outside the UFC. Can he fight with those guys? No. Do I want Volkanovski? Yes. All day. I think he's the best fighter outside the UFC, period. I, w I would go as far as to make that statement for him. But, again, this is the XFL and the NFL. Yeah. Well, and I want noons if we're playing fair. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I – I get where you're coming from, Joe, but I, this Pitbull win is very big. Patricio Pitbull has dominated that featherweight division. A couple problems here and there, but I mean. Which is ridiculous that he would have had any problems, period, because it's an inferior I mean, fighting organization of he also, nobodies. He also win a, he's also moved divisions and that stuff. So that's why I had to give up some, some the belt. So, I, I mean. McKee, I, I, I'm. Why don't you just admit how much deserves. you love Bellator? Tell people how much you love. I, Bellator. I like Bellator. You do. No, say you love it. All right, I you don't love do. it. I love the UFC, but Bellator. And the Bellator Volkanovski. <laughs> I, I don't necessarily think Volkanovski is the best in the best featherweight right now. Both oh, really? of those fights. When, listen, when he when he kicks the crap out of Brian Ortega, there will be no questions at all who the best in the division is. There'll be the no, there'll be no question at all, and I'm pretty sure that means he will have cleaned out the division as well. So, I, I'm. No, See, absolutely wrong. Go back and watch those fights with Holloway. They're, I've, those are, those those are, are two of my favorite judges. fights. Two, two of my your favorite, favorite fights. fights? Yes. First of all, it isn't like we've, it, we've, we've, we've been over this. We've been, who are my favorite fighters in the UFC? Marvin Vittori. You know? Marvin Vittori. No, it's not Vittori. that Marvin Vittori. Mike Glennon. <laughs> my, my, I, I, Sanchez. I mean, my absolute favorite <laughs> UFC fighters are Max Holloway. Again, I think I've been been very clear on that for a really long time. 
I love that guy. He's he's always been one of my favorites. I don't think anybody anybody hangs and bangs the way that guy does. Alexander Volkanovsky beat him both times. And and it was it was decisive enough that I didn't have any questions about it. I I don't love Alexander Volkanovsky. I mean, I I I love what he does and I love watching him, but yeah, he's not my favorite fighter. I love Max Holloway. He beat he's the just crap the out of one in that weight class right now. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, believe me, as a fan of Max Holloway, I, I, I will tell you 100%. I've watched the fights, uh, honestly. I, I bet you I've seen each that each of the two fights a half dozen times each. My favorite, two of my favorite fights. He lost, and it sucked. Just like I could watch the second Vittori Adesanya fight, and I know now Vittori has split his fights in my mind with Adesanya. It's 1-1 where I'm from. And that's fine, you know? It doesn't mean I'm right, just how I feel. That's cool. Well, Ortega's going to win, and Ortega's going to lay claim to this <laughs> next month. And I'm saying it now. That's what's going to happen. You said but, what you said. I love it. No, I, I do think McKee definitely deserves to be in the talks because, I mean, dude's a beast, and people like you. I, I, I understand that there is a. <laughs> I, I, I understand that comment, so I'll do no, it. No, I was not. <laughs> I, I understand that there is this whole Bellator being down here in UFC up here, but to, to I mean, Bellator isn't that big of a joke. Ben Askren, when he was at Bellator, he was the best welterweight in the world. I know, and he lasted five seconds with Jorge Masvidal. Very yeah, because he because he came in past he got knocked out prime. by Paul. He he spent all of his prime in Bellator. Uh, what I'm saying here is AJ McKee's good enough to. I don't know if get that was that the level. best example of a guy coming over from Bellator <laughs> no. like undefeated. You he went five seconds. Can I talk, Can I talk five to seconds. you? Five seconds. No, have yeah, a, wait, because of all this prime in Bellator. No, no, it's my <laughs> turn. You have, I need you have one other better example than Ben Askren. Give me some, anybody else. No, you want to? Can can I get to my point here, Joe? <laughs> I don't want to see this guy turn out like Ben Askren because Ben Askren's been wait his too prime long. in Bellator. No, I, yes, right. I want to see McKee get over here, fight the Volkanovskis. Fight the Holloways, fight right. the Ortegas. All right, all right, all right. I bring up Brent Askren, and you're just throwing that when a, I'm trying to make was, a point. It was a horrible <laughs> example. It's a horrible example. Oh, is all my I'm gosh. Saying. Okay. Sanders oh helping you out here. He says, he says Chandler came from Bellator, right? And he, and, he, and he knocked out uh, He knocked out my guy from uh, from New Zealand there, uh, okay. right? Yeah, I love I loved me some Dan Hooker. And, uh, you know, of course, we know how that went. <laughs> yeah, it was one, one fight. Eddie Alvarez right also came. <laughs> Eddie Alvarez, another, I mean, Bellator is another like, example of a guy who had moderate success coming over from Bellator. Right, You're making you got a belt. great you got point. A belt. No, listen, you and I agree. I, I agree with you. I don't, I don't want to see uh, AJ get stuck in Bellator. There's no reason to be there. That's like being 35 and being the best player at AAA. Uh, in baseball, like that's why is that guy in the minors hitting 45 home runs a year? Either stop playing or go to the big leagues. It's He's one or the other. You, 40 year olds right? in you, the amateur. You can't, you can't be that old and, and still be in the minor leagues. And so I agree with you. I, oh, and, you're and an amateur. <laughs> I'm saying, look, you could, you could throw, uh, you could throw AJ McKee in, into the top 10 of the best featherweights in the world. I don't have a problem with that. He's not number one because you've got to beat the guys 
that are doing it at the highest level. If he comes over here, and like I said, listen, I'm cool with him. Jace, you can bring him in tomorrow, and he's fighting my top five guy. Whoever's fifth in the rankings, whoever it is, anybody know offhand? That's the first fight I would give him. You beat that guy, I will give you the title fight next. Fifth at middle is Brunson. Maybe not what? Brunson then. Maybe somebody better than feather, Brunson. Feather, you know what I mean. Feather. Oh, yeah, uh, Feather. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, but, uh, um, all right. Feather five is Qatar. Uh, dude, That's a fun let, fight. let him come in and fight Kel, uh, Calvin Qatar. And if he wins, we'll talk title fights and we'll talk about who's the who's the best in the world. Okay. Even right. but a, a, Jace, Jace, you're right. A statement, a statement to be w- was was done. This yeah. guy's for real, but he's got to come to the big boy league to prove it. Oh yeah. All right. I like it. I, I need to cool down. So let's take a quick break and then let's preview. The big fight tonight. Floorcrest Media Group presents a CMG podcast. Keys to the city. Night. We have an. I'm crossed up by Kobe. Well, floated Shaq. And then Shaq goes like this. And the rest is history. Pay attention. Don't tell me what to do, devil woman. Speaking of those Lakers. But I, but I, hold on. It's fun. But I didn't make my I didn't make my I said Denver's going to win. Yeah, you did. You said that. There's no other show like that. Clovercrest is doing great things right now. Streaming everywhere. Saturday night, we have an interim UFC heavyweight championship bout between former title challenger Derek Lewis and Cyril Gaon. Let's break it down. Cyril Gaon, 31 years old, he's six foot five with an 81 inch reach and a record of nine and zero with three knockouts and three submissions. From La Roche sur Yon, France. Gone got into martial arts in his early 20s, making his professional kickboxing debut in 2016, winning the AFMT Muay Thai heavyweight title with his second-round knockout of Jeremy Jean. He defended the title six times, winning four by knockout before switching to MMA in 2018, making his debut with a first-round choke of Bobby Sullivan for the TKO promotion's vacant heavyweight title. He defended it twice with a second-round knockout of Adam Dyska and a first-round knockout of Roger Souza. In August of 2019, he made his UFC debut with a first-round triangle choke of Rafael Pessoa, and two months later submitted Dontel Mays with a heel hook. He closed out 2019 with a unanimous decision over Tanner Bozer, however, he did not fight again for a year as three separate fights fell through due to both his opponents and himself sustaining injuries in training. He returned in December 2020, taking on UFC legend Junior Dos Santos, and despite the disparity in experience, put on an excellent performance, forcing Dos Santos against the cage, dropping him with an elbow, and stopping him with ground and pound. Two months later, he took on number three contender Jazinio Rosenstrike, controlling the distance with his jab and leg kicks, and dominating all of the grappling exchanges to win a lopsided unanimous decision. In 2021, he put on a dominant display controlling number 5 Alexander Volkov with his speed jab and footwork to score a unanimous decision. Gon is a proficient technical striker who excels at controlling distance and pace and has also come a long way in adapting to the grappling aspect of the sport as evidenced by his three submissions in those nine victories. Derek Lewis is 36 years old. He's 6'3", with a 79-inch reach and a record of 25-7-1 with 20 knockouts. From Houston, Texas, Lewis began training in boxing at the age of 17 under the tutelage of former heavyweight boxing champion George Foreman. 
He was arrested after his high school graduation for assault, and two years later, while attending Kilcore College on a football scholarship, he was arrested again for aggravated assault, violating his probation, which resulted in him serving a three-and-a-half-year prison term. Upon his release, he began training in MMA in 2009 at his first amateur fight, losing via TKO. He won his next three, and in April of 2010, he made his professional debut, defeating Nick Mitchell by a second-round TKO. He lost his next fight but won his next three by stoppage before dropping a unanimous decision to Tony Johnson in his Bellator debut in 2011. He went 7-0-1 with seven knockouts before getting knocked out by Matt Mitrione, followed by a heel-hook knockout loss to Sean Jordan. He bounced back with a six-fight winning streak that saw him score a split decision over Roy Nelson and knockouts over Gabriel Gonzaga, Damian Grabowski, and Travis Brown before getting knocked out by Mark Hunt in the fourth round of June 2017. Eight months later, he came back, knocking out Marcin Tabura, and then defeated future heavyweight champion Francis Ngannou in a tentative and slow-paced fight generally regarded as one of the worst fights in UFC history. In his next fight, he was thoroughly dominated by Alexander Volkov before knocking him out with a vicious right cross with just 11 seconds remaining in the fight to set up a title shot against Daniel Cormier, which he lost via rear naked choke in round two. The following year, he was caught with a brutal right cross by Junior Dos Santos, who ended the fight with ground and pound. He came back eight months later, defeating Blagoy Ivanov by decision in August of 2020, knocked out Alexei Olenek with a right hand followed by ground and pound. He was next scheduled to take on Curtis Blades, but after Blades came down with COVID-19, the fight was pushed to February 20th of 2021, with Lewis winning by second-round knockout after landing a thunderous uppercut as Blades tried for a takedown. Primarily known as a striker with devastating power in either hand, Lewis is deceptively athletic, occasionally throwing high kicks and even flying knees to discourage his opponents from changing levels and attempting takedowns. Despite his lack of wrestling skills, he boasts a 54% takedown defense and will often demonstrate his strength by simply standing up when an opponent takes his back. With a tremendous strength and monstrous punching power of Lewis, be able to put Gon away as he eyes a rematch with Nganu? Over the speed, athleticism, and well-rounded skills of Gan completely overwhelm Lewis as Bon Gamin continues his meteoric rise to the top. Tune in Saturday night for Lewis versus Gan for the UFC interim heavyweight title. All right, Jared, your boy, Cyril Gan. You've been on this guy since day one. Go ahead, Taco. Talk about him some more. I, I mean, I saw him. I, it's It's been about two, three years. Saw him fight and went, this is a guy who slams windows shut. He doesn't give you an opportunity to knock you out, and then he will outpoint you. If he has a chance to knock you out without putting himself in danger, he'll do it. That's the most technically sound guy in the game. And I called him as a, as a future heavyweight champion and one of those guys that will win three or four fights and actually have us talking about him in the conversation in the UFC. That doesn't happen a lot. In the last 16 months, four guys have backed out of fights with this guy. 16 months. He's had, he's had three fights and four cancellations. <laughs> Undefeated, beat everybody. And this, honestly, I like this fight, not because I think it's going to be a good fight, but because I feel like it's kind of a coming out party. 
the Lewis is going to get hit with a lot of really good stuff. Maybe he stops and maybe he doesn't. But unless Lewis can get his hand into one of those quickly slamming windows, Ghana's just going to dominate this fight. 50 to 45, and somebody's going to have to explain to Joe where Lewis got the 45 from. Yeah, they definitely are going to. Um, you know, listen, uh, the Black Beast will always be in a fight. Uh, we, we we saw him not Volkov out uh, with 11 seconds to go. Um, and that's his that's his strategy. Is he's, he's just waiting. He's waiting for you to make a mistake. And I think Cyril Gaon is just too good. He's too talented. I don't think Lewis has ever beaten anybody the likes or skill level of Gaon. And that includes Nganu, who I think at the time was a worse fighter than he is today. Uh, he's clearly learned a, a, a whole bunch of stuff in the meantime. But I, this is the kind of fight where, you know, Lewis is going to be outmatched in every facet of this game except for one. And that's a thunderous right or left out of nowhere that connects. I don't, you know, Ciro Gan has never lost a fight to anybody anywhere ever in any sport, kickboxing or any age. Never lost. <laughs> Imagine that. He just, yeah, dude, right? He He's not going to lose to Derek Lewis. That's not going to be his first loss. Uh, I just, I don't see it. But, you know, and I know, Jace, I know you love these one-punch knockout guys, and and with good reason, because literally, if Gon doesn't doesn't take him out, and again, Gon's not exactly um, a knockout guy, so this this very well could go the distance, and and the longer this goes, twenty five minutes, the more likely it is that you're you're going to give Derek Lewis a chance to do what he does. It only takes one, and it doesn't have to even land clean. I, you know, I think Don could be that though. I'm not sure that's fair, Joe. Let me ask you a question. This is a knockout puncher. This is a hard charger at seven and two right now. Could he be that guy? Yeah, but he's nine and oh instead and kind of not a knockout. I mean, I think he's got all of the power and the wherewithal and he doesn't just engage his way through fights. He's not buzzsaw. Virgil teasing his way through fights who just uh, signed up to fight that at GDS. Well, listen, but Jared, to be fair, I mean, and, and, and I, I, when I say that, I mean, Gon's just not a knockout guy. And I mean, that's statistically speaking because he can dominate you in so many ways. There, There's not going to be a need for him to stand in the pocket with Lewis. It, that would be the, the stupidest thing in the world, right? He's going to come at him from all his angles. He's going to he's going to do all the things that make Cyril gone. I think the best guy in the division. I really do. Um, and and I think if there's if there's a guy who's got an, a chance, who I think could win this fight, and then go on and beat Nganu, and then maybe go on and beat the winner of John Jones Stipe. I hope that really happens. I keep hearing that rumor. I'd love to see that. I, I mean, Cyril Gon, dude, is is I think on another another level from these heavyweights just because of the athleticism. And then look, it's not like he hasn't knocked guys out, Jared. I, I, I mean, he can do it. It's not really his game plan. So when I say he's not really a knockout guy, it's not what he's going for. Yeah. If it if it presents itself, yeah. And, and I'll tell it. you what, uh, my brother and I were talking about this yesterday uh, evening. Derek Lewis has been knocked out a few times, and and he has been. When he gets overmatched, it, it it can go it can go south fast. 
Uh, and if he gets down on the ground in a prone position, he tends to get his brains beaten in before he can kind of figure out what the next technical move is. So th- this to me is, uh, a, a, again, I would say 98% gone. Mm. But yeah. I, I can, we've a seen it too many times. Uh, yeah, literal puncher's chance. There you go. Lewis just needs to get one in and it could be lights out. I doubt and it's going to happen. I think least, this guy's too good. Yes. Cyril Gain is the least likely heavyweight in the yes, UFC to get, to get caught yes. with that punch that you're Agreed. talking about. But I also felt I also felt like Curtis Five Blades. losses by knockout. Thank you. I me. felt like Curtis Blades was smart enough. He went in with the mindset of, I'm not getting anywhere near one of those punches. And he couldn't have eaten that thing anymore. <laughs> so, you know, Curtis Blades, zero gone. Yeah. yeah? Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you, Jared. I, I don't, I just, I can't see Cyril Gunn getting caught. I just don't see it. He, he's, uh, Tony, uh, very high ring IQ, this guy. He knows how to fight. He's a smart dude. Yeah, I'm, it's not happening. Uh, Chase, tell it, us it it's, is. It's become a gimmick on the show. Uh, I'm going to see Derek Lewis, but that's a heart and not head pick. I, I just love Derek Lewis too much. Also, in How's it going to win, Jays? Tell me how. Third round knockout. If it goes to the ground at all, it, it's over. Because Derek Lewis, he's an explosive guy. But when he gets on the ground, gets on his back, he uses that as time to recover to just mu- and then eventually muscle out. You can't take any time to recover on the ground with gone, and you're not going to be able to muscle out gone. So if it goes to the ground, it's over. I think Derek Lewis is going to keep it on the feet as much as he can and eventually get that knockout in the third round. Like I said, this is a heart, not head pick. Also, from the buildup to this fight, I've been watching the embeddeds. Gone seems too loose for my liking. Derek Lewis is, he is, he's that funny guy. He's making the jokes. No, but also... Derek Lewis looks serious. He is serious. He's taking this fight seriously. Ask his trainers. He's going on runs and working out outside of the he's gym. Going he's on runs. Whoa! Of his Dude, he's outside to winning. Breaking. I can't with you guys today. I can't. Outside what? his normal training, he's going out. Now listen, listen. Also, he's this is in training. Houston. This is in Houston. Derek Fair Lewis enough. from Houston. He is I'm fighting sure that for that the city. Before. He's Derek Lewis is fighting for Houston. Look at the Jace. past two years of Houston. You lose DeAndre Hopkins. Houston Astros, they're cheaters. Yeah. Apollo 13. J.J. Watt, he's gone now. All you have for the city of Houston, as far as sports go, is Derek Lewis. And gone, he is not... He his all of his professional fights outside the UFC have been in France. He's not going to. He has not felt what it's like to have everyone in one right. stadium are, going are, against you. There are Chase. MMA fans in Houston that don't know Derek Lewis is from there. Jace, <laughs> that's not true. All right. That's not true. No, at Jace, all. Jace, Jace. Listen, no, Jerry, that Derek was Lewis did so much. For right. Houston with the hurricane <laughs> and that stuff, everyone listen. knows Derek. <laughs> Jace, your points about him running are words that was terrible. Uh, the, what? No, 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 no. Stop that. That you know how I you know I hate that dirt. He's training extra. No, hard no, hey, no, hang on, Joe. Hold on. I will defense. hold on, but no, 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 no. I will say this. Listen, to be fair, he's fighting at home. 
and he's going to have the crowd on his uh, on his side. And and I'm telling you what, if there's a moment in that fight where he does something cool and no, that, that place explodes, dude, third round, God, you know, for the first time, he's like, oh, what is happening? They don't like me for all of a He's all confused and all you, bam! And then Jace looks like a genius. Jace, I'll give you that. The the hometown the hometown thing fighting in front of your peeps, dude. You got the championship on the line. If there's a story to tell here, it's the guy from Houston in a city that's been getting dumped on by both God and its sports franchises for the last ten years. Yeah, boy, this would be a huge thing for the city of Houston and for the Black Beast. I love the dude. You know I do. I'm a big fan. I just don't see it happening, but it would be a story for the ages, and it better happen in the third round if it does, just so Jace buries it. No. I the, love the, it. The, the run, like him training out outside of training is actually really big. This is a guy who says his cardio is 30 minutes on the Stairmaster every day. When you're going above and beyond and going and doing that extra stuff, you're he's in that right mindset. And, I mean – there's a guy who's also eating Popeyes before he's got a title fight with Daniel Cormier. That, that, no, but when you look at the past and look at what he's done, and when he does take that extra step to do more, I don't know that, why that's got to be something. I don't know uh, why you're shouting because I was, I was gonna. Can I say something? You were right about Ngannou. Yes, I was. You said some ridiculous things about Ngannou. You're like, yeah, he's been practicing the wrestling. And I was like, dude, Stipe's forgotten more about wrestling than he's learned. <laughs> Stuff the only attempt he saw, and he won the fight. So, again, Jace, I- I'm saying that you're right. The idea that he's he's his getting his cardio up, dude, he's not going to get his cardio up enough to last five rounds with Ghana be effective. But you know that already. And like you just said, when he gets on the ground, He's next to useless. And, and you know, Gan has, has slowly started to learn how to grapple more and, and to learn how to fight on the ground because he's a kickboxer by trade and a badass by night, you know? So he didn't he didn't in know your- that, like, what do you want me to do? Bring the guy on the ground? I want to be the wrestling? I'll do it a little bit. What do you think? I'm Greek. You know, he didn't want to do all that, but he's like, that's what I got to do. I'll do it. You, Chase, like Jared just said, I'll, I'll, I'll never tell you, when you're picking one of these guys that can knock a guy out and has done it before that it's a bad pick. Just don't give me the, he's, he's practicing more. Cause I don't like that. You got me I with heard the Houston this guy's thing. been jogging. He's got, yeah. That was the greatest <laughs> thing I ever heard. Yo, listen, oh. after his workout, he's been running 30 minutes a day. Watch out. He does. But no, Chase, you're, you, you are right. And again, I, I, I say, you know, I, I, until the fight's over, I'm I'm not gonna feel like Gon's got it because again, dude, in, in, there could be three seconds left in the fight. If the Black Beast is on his feet, a knockout could happen. Could happen. Yes. yes. Well, uh, no, to be you, fair, I'll Jace, give you that, not, Jace. It's not what you were you. saying; it's how you said it. Um, yes. What, because I've heard what you were saying before, and I actually have like a real life example: uh, uh, Lawrence Claybay, who was once America's super heavyweight silver medalist. Richard Torres will try to become the first gold medalist uh, since then. Later on tonight, he's a plus 500 underdog. Take that. Um, <clears throat> but I had uh, Lawrence Claybay in the gym, and ESPN showed up. 
I actually got my feet on ESPN. I was jumping rope and they had the, my feet and the rope in one of the preempts to asking him questions and stuff. So um, Clay Bay's training for this fight with Derek Bryan and somebody from ESPN says, can we get some shots of him jumping rope? And John Scully says, if you guys can get him to jump rope. So <laughs> what you're saying about the, the concept that a guy can do extra things and train harder and do more. Yeah, I would expect most of them are jogging. The vast majority of these guys are doing some jogging. But uh, but what your point, well taken. You know, he's fighting in his hometown. This is his biggest fight, and he's gonna he's gonna come after it. Uh, show up. <laughs> Honestly, before I was I was expected to just come in here and say, yeah, I'm gonna kick, stick with the shtick and just go Derek Lewis heart over head. Then once I, yeah, that's right. But then I was then I did. Watch the embeds, watch a bunch of stuff leading up to the fight. And when your trainer does say you're extra motivated and then you see Cyril Gain coming in, kidding around, joking around when Derek Lewis, who is the most like he is the least serious guy in the UFC. Like he's making jokes, talking about Popeyes and this and that all fight week, usually. But this week he's coming in. He's pissed off. If you saw the the face off, he just got straight in to get Gain's face. Gain was backing up. Like I, I, I was prepared to come in here and say, "Yeah, I'm just gonna be that guy. I'm gonna mess with you guys." But I, I'm more and more. I'm actually on Derek Lewis, and he's gonna win. So, Bong, I mean, uh, this is a serious fight. Oh, I thought we were just going to be tussling around. Okay. Oh, all right. You've been running. <laughs> <laughs> Fear in my heart. All right, Jerry. You're going to make or lose us money this week? I oh, I lose your money every week, don't I? <laughs> If you haven't been following along at home, then um, I've been kicking ass week after week. Couple layups this year, this week. We'll take Magistrate, Kid Gollett, and Fabio Wardley. These should all three be walkthroughs, and it ends up exactly at even money. Twenty wins you twenty, fifty wins you fifty. However, I also want to add two um, MMA fights and an Olympic fight. I just mentioned Torres Jr., the super heavyweight in the Olympics. He's got two upsets in a row. He's fighting like Tyson. I don't like to say guys look like that, but the head movement, the overhands, he looks like Tyson. He stopped the last guy who he was uh, uh, underdog. Um, underdog again, plus 500, worth it. 10 wins of 50. And in the UFC, take Cyril Gaon and parlay him with my fight of the night, Tisha Torres over Angela Hill. That should be a very, very entertaining fight. Oh, my goodness, dude. That is totally the fight. I love Angela Hill. A banger. I love right? Tisha Torres. I mean, as banger of <laughs> banger as there is, dude. I don't know much about Tisha Torres, but that sounds like a banger, too. I feel oh. like that's going to be the a great fight. The, the, even the prelims look pretty solid. 
There, there's some, yeah, there's a couple of decent names on here. I'm excited about this card for tonight. I really am. Here's uh, Tisha Torres. Obviously, uh, um, fights Paige Van Zant, Rose Namayunas, Felice Herrig, Ronda Marcos, Breck Rawlings, Carla Esparza, Angela Magana, Angela Hill, who she already beat, Rose Namayunas again, Beck Rawlings, Michelle Waterson, Jessica Andrade, Joanna Genjacek, uh, Wally Zhang, Marina Rodriguez. Uh, and now Angela Hill again. What do you mean you don't know much about Tisha Torres? She fought everybody. She's a beast. That's a who's who. No, I just, I mean, oh, no, certainly. Again, I, what I mean to say is th that's somebody who I think should be getting a little more love in this, in this, in this, uh, in the UFC. Uh, again, dude, there's, I feel like there's, there's fighters like her who go out there and they, and they beat people and then they lose the wrong fight. Uh, generally against a big name, and it's like they end up stepping all the way to the back of the line, and you're like, what? Yeah. And I feel like that's sort of been uh, kind of Torres's run in the UFC is is, <laughs> is when she loses, it's uh, bad. It's like a, it, it, she gets extra penalized. Lost four fights in a row. None of them stopped her. Jessica Andrade, Joanna Njicic, uh Willie Zhang, and... Marina Rodriguez, is that four of the top five in the weight class? Yeah. And, yeah, and literally, and right, and literally, Jared, the fight was. Yes, and, and every person. one of those was close. If yeah. I wanted to come in here and say that Tisha Torres should be undefeated, that she actually won all of those fights, Marcos on the, on the, on the ultimate fighter, like every one of those, like you said, you got to the end of it and were like, if this girl's 17 and 0 right now in the champ, she's hard to stop. She's going to throw more punches than you are, and you're not going to be able to stop her. So what do you do? It's like Ray Oliveira back in the day. I'm going to throw 100 punches every round. They're not going to be huge knockout punches, but odds are I throw 100 pounds, I'm going to win the round. What are you going to do? You can't knock me out, and you can't throw more punches than me. How are you going to work that out? And that's what Tisha Torres is. Yeah. I mean, the, that fight, uh, Vicente Luque versus Michael Chiesa, that's going to be a fun fight. Two top five welterweights. And then uh, also the co-main event, Aldo Munoz. Oh, gosh. Dude, this is going to be a great Ooh. fight, too. Love Jose Aldo. Good to oh, see him back man. in action. Hell, yeah. A lot. Uh, I'm excited. Munoz there for the win, by the way. Okay. All right. Probably, but I'm going to do a Jace Hart pick and say I'm going to take my man Jose Aldo. Uh, uh, that's uh, going to be a tough fight for him. Right? Oh, it is. It is. And my heart will be breaking the entire time watching it. But <laughs> yeah. the thing with uh, Aldo is, I, I think Aldo. We talk about featherweights. I think he's still at that level he was at featherweight, but he just sometimes wants to brawl randomly. And uh, I don't understand where the kicks, where the leg kicks, where's the technical ass. Well, I don't understand why he just wants to brawl. Because I mean, he's, he's if one it's of the to you, Joe, come watch it over here. You seem to have good luck whenever you. <laughs> <laughs> Your yeah, guys baby. always win when you. They sure do. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, let's take one more quick break, and we'll be back for the scrub scrap spotlight. The Seattle management isn't giving you their time of day. What makes you think that Jerry Jones is going to listen to you? Sometimes they're blowing teams out by 10. Come on now. When they're on, they're on. 
Again, I'm going to need you to write LeBron a letter, send it to him, and say, LeBron, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to hop off your bandwagon. Don't do that. We're joined by Dane. Sorry for making you wait, my man. I mean, we just get caught up talking about fights. But thank you for joining us today. I appreciate it. Now, uh, what is your background with Scrub Traps? When did you first get involved? And I would say it was probably somewhere around uh, 2010, I would say. That's not right, right, Jared? We know each other about eight or nine, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I think my first one was uh, over in Bolton. Uh, I had a friend bring me over there and told me all about it, and I was didn't have any clue what I was walking into. And uh, after watching my very first fight, I was so excited about it. I was excited me up for the next one, and I actually fought in the very next one. Oh yeah, some bangers you've been in, dude. I think it was my first fight, actually. AJ? Yeah. Oh, uh, you guys remember AJ, right? Yes, of one course. One of our first guests. Yeah, big yeah. guy. One of my toughest fights. You know, I, I uh, it was a really good fight. I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, I actually thought I actually thought I was closer to winning that fight than losing it, but the judges gave it to him, and I learned from it. <laughs> that was an extremely close fight. I remember being like, I remember how integral the por- corner men were. Yeah. That that like, hey, he wants to quit too. Just stay in there, you know, was the theme in the corners. Oh, well, yeah. Like Jace Garcia always says, don't leave it to the judges. <laughs> <laughs> um, a little don't uh, a little uh, uh if you don't know, I know um you interviewed Dane once before, Joe. Uh just a couple things I want to say about this guy. He's one of my one of my closest closest friends, uh like family to me. Um, whenever he got involved in scrub scraps, he thought it might be a thing in the future. This kid went on and, uh, and, uh, claimed 10, 12 different website domains for a dollar a piece. And then they cost him five bucks, 10 bucks for like 10 years. He's running these dot coms without telling me. And, uh, just last year, scrub scrap, I'm telling him it's about to turn into a thing. And he's like, Hey, well, the scrub scraps.com is worth about $1,500 right now just based on internet activity. I bought it 10 years ago. So we have that whenever we need it. Um, I knew someday it would be worth it. <laughs> Thank God for Dane. Yeah. Uh, there, there are three of those things I just wanted to kind of kind of give him a shout out for. Um, the second one is moving scrub scraps to his home. When I came out of rehab, I really didn't have a place to to run the show he moved it right in, into his home and um i know you guys both said something to me uh last month i passed eight years sober um eight years ago this this kid was part of a very small group that uh that kicked my door in and found me with one sock on and i was drinking about a half gallon a day and uh Got a got a small crew together and sent me off to rehab. So, yeah, uh, we talk a lot about here. You know, I've had a lot of people come on and say, "I don't know where I would be without Scrub Scraps," and I don't know where Scrub Scraps would be without Dane. So, I appreciate. It. Yeah, I'd, uh, I immediately <laughs> to it. 
And after putting it on my house, I had T-shirts made, used my own money, of the design, started marketing it. And uh, I'm excited to see, once this thing's back on again, uh, legitimately what we accomplished. Because I'll tell you, since then, I've become very successful in life and family and friends. And uh, I'm very excited to see what we do with it. Dane, let me ask you something. Is it the combination of Jared and the idea of Scrub Scraps? Is it the person that was Jared? Was it the idea of Scrub Scraps? Because you're like 100% in on both of those things, and I just kind of wonder which one was the driving force, or was it kind of both? I'm not going to lie. I absolutely loved watching fighting. had never really done it, but the idea of uh, us all getting together in a backyard beating the shit out of each other it was... I hate to say it, that was it. It was so exciting. Beautifully honest answer. I love it. So many people just love to go and watch it. I mean, I couldn't even fit the cars in my driveway up the street some days. I mean, it was just the excitement of fight day. It was, it was, I can't even explain it. It was amazing. Well, and I just, I just talked to a guy the other day. Dane and I worked together at CSC Services, and I was talking to a guy that runs our Mercy House in, in Hartford. Mm-hmm. And they've got all the different connections to all the different psychologists and housing and food. And if there weren't food and beds here, how would you guys get them to do the counseling? And the guy just went, what? No, we forced the counseling because we're feeding them. You heard what Dane just said. And that's that, that while it may sound like a condemnation of Scrub Scraps, we're there for the fighting. It's actually one of the most beautiful parts because that because if that appeals to you, we're built a little different, you know, and that was appealing to us. And then you attach that to all the other things. When did you figure out? There's a good question right off the top. When did you figure out this was more than just a fight club? That was my follow up, Jared. My very first event, my very first one. The second that I, I saw what you guys were doing and I saw the sportsmanship, it, it was it was it. I knew, and and that's that's. There's so many more parts than just us beating each other up. I mean, that, that was the most exciting part. But there were so many more parts: the, the, the sportsmanship, the camaraderie, um, watching some of the guys come up with us that had uh, drug and alcohol problems and schizophrenia and all the crazy things. To watch those people dial it in and go in the ring and then have somebody cheering for them. Uh, it was just so many different moving parts to it. But, uh, you know, it was the initial excitement of, of the fighting. But it, it, so many moving parts that were exciting. So Now, when uh, Jared mentioned I interviewed you about Scrub Scraps uh, several months ago, and you were, I think, the second person I interviewed, but you were the first person that made me cry as you were telling me the story. And I wonder if you could, you, you talked about all the different moments. Is, can you give me one particular moment that maybe sort of embodies all of, of the camaraderie and, and, and the idea of, you know, because everybody talks about the camaraderie. And, and again, it's a fight club. And then you learn that there is more than that. And then, and then you end up like there's life lessons to be learned from fighting. And so the whole thing becomes... The experience that is Scrub Scraps. So for me, that moment, believe it or not, was fighting Jared. <laughs> uh, 
I, I had my own devils and demons that I was dealing with. A lot of my first fights, I probably didn't sleep the night before. I was maybe got two hours, was probably still drunk and fucked up. Excuse my language. Uh, and I didn't do very well those first few fights. Uh, and then once I started figuring, figuring out my life and getting my, my head together, I started realizing all the things I was doing wrong in the ring. I, I put my heart and soul into it. And we actually, before I was in my motorcycle club, they hosted us down in Manchester inside this ridiculously awesome motorcycle club house. Like some, something you see on TV is what it is. And we set the ring up in there. There was two stories. People were up on the second story couches. The place was packed. And it was basically just watch me and Jared fight. That that fight had been built up. I never uh, expected to go in there and beat him because he's the guy who trained me. But I studied every movement he made, and I and then I knew that he knew how I fought. So I did the exact opposite of what <laughs> I, thought I was going to do, and we got a draw at the end of it, which for me was huge. And uh, it, that for me that was the moment. That was a. Uh... That was a great fight and a great moment because um, I feel like we had figured out while we, while we had the greatest moment for us, we were figuring out that it wasn't for us at that same time. Mm -hmm. That we were distributing, that we were be, um, like involving ourselves in something that we were distributing to the rest of the world. And that the beauty in fighting one another, when we started as a fight club, you know, the beauty in fighting one another without that, with greater meaning than fighting one another. When do you ever fight someone and have greater meaning than that fight? It's always that fight. That's always the pinnacle, you know? So for me, coming out of that and realizing how much bigger this thing was, what was the dude uh, that f that owned the uh, Bellator and then fought in it? Ah, Jace, you're going to get this one. He Ooh. owned the organization and then fought in it. Samoan guy. But there was something else going on in that fight. There was like something else there, you know? It was like it was, it was mixed martial arts and boxing and marketing and all of these things. It was such a bigger event than just that fight and like you said that fight with aj there's the biggest event of your life because it's a fight yeah and then you have another fight a couple fights down the road that has all these other implications that you're able to put your brain in and and you're dedicating to all of these other things that aren't necessarily just the fight yeah that was awesome for me too brother and then moving it into the clubhouse that was beautiful that was that was amazing you know i think uh once we get this thing going again, it'll just be that much more special, that much more important. You know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, same thing. You're in a fight, which ought to be the pinnacle of that uh, that excitement, but you're part of something that's so huge that we work so hard for that I'll the fight is... The other day, and, uh, I'm trying to lose weight, you know, get a little back in shape a little bit more, and I, I'm getting older, but I feel like I've got a couple more left in me. And if we can get this thing going again, I think you'll see it after a few more times. Oh, yeah. Dan, I, I ask everyone that comes on here for the Scrub Scraps Spotlight, what is the difference between you before Scrub Scraps and you, and you after, after Scrub Scraps? Also, he's <laughs> never asked 
anyone that question before. <laughs> I'm glad he asked it though. Uh, I without without giving away too much of how much of a meathead I was, I was in the process of losing my house that we fought at. I had built my life up to super success. I essentially lost everything. Jared came into my life. Scrub Scraps came into my life. Um, I got my act together, you know, especially because I was focusing on Scrub Scraps. And I'm now back to married with a big family, a big house, swimming pool in the backyard, and I own two businesses. So the biggest difference was I was a an absolute idiot and I lost everything and I had nothing. And I got it all back then some. So... Yeah, uh, by the way, uh, just speaking on that, Dane, before the show, um, thank you for putting a shirt on, by the way, but Dane <laughs> was showing us uh, his beautiful backyard. And, I mean, clearly clearly, you've turned your shit around to the point where, uh, just so everybody, if you feel bad for Dane right now, don't. <laughs> he struggled. He struggled. But believe me, if you were to look outside, he is doing extremely well now. So yes. uh, congratulations on that because I, I'm joking a little bit, but I, you should be really proud of yourself. And I, I hope you are. And I hope you know, uh, you know, again, you and I have talked before, what an inspiration you are. Because generally when people are down and out, they don't come back. At least yeah. not, not, not the way you did. And, no. and again, not unless you're coming from like you're Mike Tyson and you go to the ground and then you build back up a fortune. It's It's rare to see. A regular person do that, so uh, hats off to you, Dane. You know, I mean, it certainly helps having friends like Jared in your life, that's for sure. And obviously a positive support system around you. And I'm not going to I've made my mistakes along the way, but, um, you know, it's the end result, I suppose, that matters. So, Yeah, well, and, and I, I was just talking to Dizzle about this the other day. Like, there's no I, – I, it's hard to say that I'll ever have friends like that. Because when you come from that place and you build yourself up from that place and there's people that were there in the dirt and in the darkness with you that then you see in the light, um, there's a lot of other people that you're able to see in the light and a lot of other people that don't mind being around you and sharing in that light. I'm sure there's a lot of people that don't mind going over and hanging out at your pool. You know, but kicking in that door and being the person that's there when you're one sock on and one sock off, half half a gallon into a bottle of whiskey. Um, there's a lot less people there. I know things about you that that I won't know about other people I meet, no matter how good of friends we get to be, because I'm never going back there. Oh yeah, I'm. This, I, this, this program's done so many things for so many people. It was. Uh, one of the saddest moments of my entire life when I got, you know, temporarily closed down because thinking about the people that was helping, like, what are those people doing right now? You know, I feel like we need Some to get Some of them have literally died. Yeah. We need to get back, back to what we were doing and, and get, it, get it going again. Yeah, I appreciate you, my man. Yeah. I was actually sitting down um, there because I, I, I knew all my kids just got home. I was like, I could sit down there so it's not too loud. <laughs> 
Well, listen, I'm glad you got to go outside just to sort of show off what I was talking about because obviously one of the great success stories of Scrub Scraps. Jared, these results are not guaranteed. Is that right? <laughs> Turning your life around, yes. To this to this degree, not necessarily. Results may vary. <laughs> results may vary. See, dealer for details. Um, but, and I'll tell you with a clear head. There's, there's the sky's the limit. I don't care who you are. And it's, it's yeah. how much you want to put into it. You, Absolutely. What you put in is what you get out. And we have an extra gear. Let me talk about addicts specifically now, because if you're addicted to crack and there's a crack rock in a building and the building has 50 police officers in it as it is on fire, you will go into the burning building past all the police officers and try to sneak your way to the crack rock and get it back out of there. Five bucks. You did that for five bucks in a burning building. And now you can't make a phone call. And now you can't take a deep breath. And now you don't know how to throw a jab. And now you can't show up to training. But you were ready to walk into a burning building. That's the difference. When people like us figure that shit out, we have a different gear. We get to throw it into sixth gear when other people are just kind of lagging because they don't have that. I would run into a burning building and beat up 50 cops for five bucks. Yep. If you've been to that spot in your life and then you want the things you just saw on Dane's screen, you're going to go get them. Absolutely. You're going to have that fire, that sixth gear to go out and get them. So, so we bring them into scrub scraps. We turn it, we turn the things around for them. And then, like he said, the sky is the limit. You've got a gear that most people don't have. Go use it for good. Oh yeah. And it's, it's not as hard as everybody thinks it is. I got to tell you, granted, I went through a lot of struggles to get where I'm at and especially owning companies and employees and sleepless nights but man i'll tell you what it's not that hard to go do something great with your life it's just not it just takes a little bit that's it oh yeah dane will tell you dane will tell you dealing with me at csc is as much as a pain in the ass of dealing as him at scrub scraps was he'll tell you we have our moments <laughs> but yeah you if you if you're dedicated and you have that gear you could do anything you want anything man beautiful Beautiful. I'm so happy for you, brother, and I'm so happy we made it together, you know? That, to be able to look down and know I have somebody who literally made that journey with me, it's a short list, brother. I love you, man. Yeah, that dude, that's the best part, Jared, is that we made it together, man. Knowing where we were to where we are now is the best part, and I'm glad we're still together. Oh, man. And now, well, stay tuned for what's coming too. next. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, and I'll, you know, so, again, I mean, I'm kind of late to the Scrub Scraps party because I only just met Jared a couple of years ago, um, but I'm I'm super excited about us getting this thing up and running again, and, uh, you know, I want to get involved and, and get up in there and, and not fight, but, like, definitely train people and, and, and get in there and help out because I just, I love what you guys are doing. The second I heard the idea, Jared told me the, um cuddling the bear thing i was like what are you talking about boxing what <laughs> um and and to have experienced this and to, to talk to guys like you uh, dane you know it's it you really get a good understanding and perspective i think the world of of what you guys have done and and to, to see jared pour his life into it and i know there's there's you know his his close-knit circle yourself included uh, that that bleed the the same blood for it um, is an inspiration, and I'm I'm glad to be a part of it. So, but I definitely appreciate you guys having me on. It was it was a blast, and I, anytime it, it was great. So I appreciate it for sure. We'll do it again. Right. Yeah, hey, I love you guys.
Love you guys, too. Make Thank sure you. you. Dane Bundy, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. For Jared Jones, I'm Joe McGuire. Jace Garcia, not sure what happened, but we'll catch you right back here next Saturday on Throwing Jabs. Throwing jabs, always full send. Here we go again. Jared, Joe, and Jay's Clover Crest, top three corner man, punching in with a punch's chance. We find a way to win. The main event, locked it in. Every Saturday at 10, the overhand is out of hand when it comes to fisticuffs. Slide a hand on the undercard, you'll never see the punch. Uppercut, got you missing weight, feet are stepping late. Keep your guard up, feeling faint from a faint. Take a stand and eight, then retaliate. Put up your duke, stick and move, bob and wave. Don't lose hope against the ropes, there's always an escape. Never stay down. One more round, bells ringing, counter punch with your chin tucked and go down swinging. We bring in crosses with no worship, hooks with no verses, combinations with no locks. When you feel the flurry, it's curtains from scrub scraps to fight stats. Relax if you want the facts, cause the best combat podcast is throwing jabs.